Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the Ron Perti Show. Welcome to the Ron Perti Show. I am your host, Ron Perti. You can find out more about myself and the show by visiting my website, ron.world, where you can hear old episodes, find my social media, and find out how to support the show on Patreon. This week, Christmas, that happy time of the year where family gets together to celebrate, exchange gifts, and revel in the merriment. But sick individuals like myself love a little red in our Christmas. Blood red. That's right. Nothing like sitting down with some eggnog and watching Linnea Quigley getting impaled by Santa through some moose antlers in Silent Night, Deadly Night. Christmas horror has a very special place in the annals of holiday horror, and with me right now is someone who has contributed to that uh, time-honored tradition of sleigh bells and stabbings with all the creatures we're stirring. Morgan Peter Brown, thank you for coming back on the show. It's been years, but you're here now. It's been a minute, yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Ron. It's a pleasure, buddy. I uh, remember when I first heard about the movie, uh, I heard about it kind of through Shockwaves and Rebecca Re- Rebecca McKendry. I can't talk today. Perfect <laughs> perfect time to do an interview. Um, and, uh, and then I started seeing some production stills. I'm like, holy crap! It's the guy that was on uh, Parks and Rec bringing food to Adam, Adam Scott and Chris Pratt. That's correct. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I, I wear many hats. <laughs> you uh, Yes. And uh, like I, I, I mentioned before, much like beloved actor Ken Jenkins from Scrubs, if okay. you put your name into a TiVo, it will explode. <laughs> That's very nice. Thank you. It's uh, I, blink and you'll, you'll if you just flip through the channels, you may I think I may have even seen you on an episode of Good Times. Uh, well, I don't know about that. I may have had a doppelganger from the seventies or the early eighties. Um, it probably just beard and glasses. Uh, but yeah, I've, I've, I've been lucky to, uh, have a decent, uh, showing in television in the past, like, let's say like five, six, seven years. Um, yeah. You may, you make five, six, seven years sound like it's such a short time. <laughs> right. It goes by quick, but it, it, uh, it, it it's a pretty long time. It does. Uh, now let's let's focus on on real quick on sure. all the creatures we're stirring. Now I know the McKendrys wrote it, but mm-hmm. you had a hand in quite a few of the stories. Um, uh, so yes, my my producing partner Joe Wicker and I are the producers of the film as well, and I and I'm in it. Um, but yeah, we also Joe and I have a story by credit on two of the segments. Um, basically, we uh, conceived of the ideas. And then, uh, like, maybe did a brief outline on them and then brought them to Dave and Becca uh, to, to, to fully script and take the rest of the way. Um, and that, that's, it really speaks to the four of us, me, Joe, Dave, and Becca, we're, we're really a, a, a full collaboration by the end. Uh, it, was, it was a long process, this movie. Uh, the script was developed over over a longer period of time. Becca, this was in Entertainment Weekly. Becca directed the first half of the movie while eight or nine months pregnant. Well, there and, you you, you got to keep working. Yeah, seriously. Well, she's yeah. There, there. She is not someone who is going to stop really for anything. 
and uh, and then and then the child showed up, <laughs> so we hit pause, uh, and then we in in that pause we actually we we talk about how it was kind of a blessing in disguise because we were able to look uh, at the movie we had in front of us. Uh, we were able to kind of look and go, you know, what are we hitting and what what boxes aren't we checking? Right, and so there, yeah. was, there was some retooling that happened in the middle of um, in the middle of production, and uh, and so two of those last segments, uh, Joe and I sort of conceived of the ideas with, and um, but but then Dave and Becca scripted everything. Now, when it comes to something like that, was there? I mean, doing an anthology um, <laughs> picture. Um, I, I must say, uh, though, first before I get going here, is that this is for those looking for like a, a Silent Night, Deadly Night type of uh, Christmas horror. That's not what you're going to get. This right. is this is more of a. It's more rooted in, with the exception of maybe your segment, it's uh, more rooted <laughs> in reality. Yeah, I yeah I I think I think that's fair. Um, it, it's uh, it kind of jumps all over though, I, and we. We want people to. I agree with you that that even though we we share the Christmas horror with something like Silent Night, Deadly Night, um, it's not. It, and there are sections that maybe feel slashery. It's also there's a very uh, dark sense of humor and weird sense of humor about our uh, our our anthology. Um, they they are all written and directed by Dave and Becca, and so you don't you, you don't get that thing that you get with some anthologies where the voices can feel sort of. Not inconsistent, but but a little more all over the place from story to story. Uh, the tone of ours is very is is kind of consistent, where it can get dark and even you know like gory and horrific in spots. But we're almost always wanting you to laugh as much as you're creeped out. Like the um, the wraparound, which is the story that kind of the the interstitials. Uh, we have a we have like a strong wraparound. That's the story of this couple at this theater at this small theater in North Hollywood actually. And, uh, and they, it's a weird, like they're at this weird expressionist theater play where everything's done with black boxes and pantomime. And, uh, that's something that we've always found hilarious. <laughs> and so and as though, you do, like, I, as you do. Yeah. I come from a theater background and so did Dave and Becca. And so when, when we fell on that idea, we're like, Oh my God, that's so funny. There are some people who who we found, I don't know, like it, it's sort of, they don't get there. Like, what is that? And it's just sort of like, well, <laughs> that's for us. Apparently it's for us and the people who understand it. Uh, absolutely love it. Uh, yeah. I, I will say though, I think the uh, award for person who looks the most bored in a movie <laughs> Goes okay. to Elric. Okay, <laughs> uh, Elric Kane. Yeah, so, his... I was uh, I was on Shockwaves a couple weeks ago, and I had to give him a, a fair amount of crap because he gets mentioned in as many reviews as any other member of our cast. <laughs> it's that fa that face. He's like, it's like he. Okay, I'm not saying that he didn't want to be there, but the character <laughs> he's playing looks right. like he just could, wants to be anywhere but there. We had everybody just look stone faced as possible and uh, look very serious, and uh, you know, like the, this this Christmas Eve theater going crowd and Elric and and there's a lot of other horror notables like filmmakers in that crowd as well. Axel Carolyn from Tales of Halloween and Chilling Adventures of Sabrina's in there. Mike Mendez, um, oh Sean Keller and Chelsea Starduster in there as well. 
and others. Um, it's yeah, and it's, Elric it's, just steals it, it from them all. He's just like mm. everybody. He's sitting in the front row, and I, I, I've said this. I, I'm pretty sure he sat himself in the front row. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted it. He wanted to be recognized. Uh, he's he's dying to get in front of the camera. That guy. Yeah, he's like, just give me, give it to me. Come on, go ahead, hurry up. <laughs> I'm a star. Don't put me in the back. Yes. Uh, but no, that that was uh, that was something that's st- and I don't know if that if it stood out to me because I know who he is, yeah, you know, and because I'm a fan of his sure. and and stuff like that. Uh, I don't know if that's why it stood out, um, or because I had a friend say, "Hey, look, Elric's in this movie." Um, and uh, yeah, we're we're not, you know, they're they're just sort of. I mean, we needed extras, and uh, and and we thought it would be funny to some. Uh, for others who have no idea who these people are, it won't bother them or anything like that. And so it's like, either you recognize them or you don't. Um, I talked about that too, like in terms of references to other horror movies, um, because Dave and Becca are so knowledgeable about the genre as a whole and can reference, you know, for days. But we, I think, do a good job of using references but not but but for the sake of the story for the sake of the film it's right. never just referencing for references sake now my question for you yeah as a director myself uh-huh. I, I i don't mind people giving me like say hey maybe we should do this or hey maybe we should do that that's fine if you have like you know ideas that's great but i would hate to have a co-director now, how does that how does how did that work? Having both of them be directing you, I mean, because the the only time I, the only time I ever hear about co directors, it's not like the Russo brothers, right. is is like um like when it comes to and I'm I'm not saying that Spielberg directed Poltergeist. Let's not go down that road. <laughs> right. Let's not have that conversation for but, the team. <laughs> yeah, but there are people who were on set for certain points where he was kind of sticking his nose in to the point yeah. where what what was it on used cars? I think it was. Where Kurt Russell said, "Look, there's. I, I love the both of you. Uh, when it comes to like him and Zemeckis, I love you both. But who's who am I listening to? You know, yeah. no. Toby, yeah. did, Toby didn't have anybody fighting for him. But did you have have it where like Rebecca would say something, and then you know he would come in and be like, eh, let's do it this way,' and where there would be a, a difference of opinion a lot, or was it just hey. a, a real smooth machine?" They tended to be of the same mind a lot of the time, and 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 if there were disagreements or or you know wanting to find the best version uh, and differing opinions, we we tried to get most of those out of the way beforehand. Um, I think it, because I've been you know in the acting ac- acting position so much, I think I was able to go you know Joe and I were able to to make clear to them like if there are disagreements, have those dis- disagreements separately together. And then go to the crew or the cast with with a single voice. Um, sometimes they would just um, allow others to take uh, allow the other to take the lead. Sometimes, like there were definite segments um, where you know Becca was taking the lead a bit more, and Dave was offering, and that would be and that switched back and forth sometimes. Um, it's you know they they trust each other obviously uh, a lot, and so it, it was. It was very easy for, you know, if someone needs to make a decision over here about a production design aspect, then someone then the other one can be over here, like rehearsing with the actors. All right. Well, that makes that actually sounds like it saves a lot of time. Yeah, it's it's done correctly. But there are dangers of what you're talking about. And I think, honestly, so uh, my segment with with Constance Wu, 
um, was the first one that we shot. And actually, I do remember, <laughs> you know, day one, I do remember because they were in two separate places uh, offering direction. And even if it was the similar thing, I would be getting it from two different spots. And I would be like, you guys, and, and I think it was only a couple hours into the first day and we need to go like, guys, you need to be standing together. I'm going to handcuff you to each other <laughs> because if you're just offering me notes and, but both, but you don't see each other telling me the same thing, it's going to drive us crazy. Yeah. I can imagine. And I, I love how you were live tweeting it. That was it yesterday or the night before. It was and Friday night. And that was funny. I was just telling someone about this. It went so well. Um, Shutter really has some, cause we're on Shutter now and, and have been in, since the 13th and um it, and and shutter does such a great job of of like really getting getting their audience excited and kind of building a community out of it and they've been doing so well with their shutter tv um feature on their app which is just you know like a like a streaming channel it's like a cable channel that it, they, where they program horror movies or stuff from their from their collection twenty four seven, it's a really kind of an interesting idea. Just you, if you don't want to pick, you can turn on Shutter TV and there it is. Um, and we came up with the idea of this live of this live watch of the tweet along, and having no idea how many people were going to get involved. And then as we were doing it, it was just like more and more and more people were watching and and having a good time. It was a blast. It was very stressful. <laughs> we were sitting on a couch, like trying to stay caught up because, you know, it, it's there was so much going on. It was it was really like um, uh, stimulation overload because you were just, you know, getting all these tweets, getting all these questions, getting all this stuff, watching the movie, trying to comment on things. It was but it, it was better than we ever could have hoped. And you're, you were right. I mean, as as great as you are, if you're in a scene with Constance, I'm, my my attention's kind of drawn away from you. I, I do not take that personally. That is fine. Yeah. That's uh, <laughs> I, cannot, I cannot blame you. Golden Globe nominated uh, Constance Wu. Yes, um, it is funny. I as a producer of the film, I'm a little self conscious about the fact that I ended up in so many of the promotional images for the movie. Um, that was not my decision. Uh, I'm fine with it. I'm happy about it, <laughs> but it's, but it's also kind of like, people are going to see that and think, uh, Morgan put himself in all those photos. <laughs> and I'm like, I really didn't. That, that was not my call. <laughs> uh, my question for you during your segment, and I'm trying to yeah. say this without spoiling because people need, really need right. to go see this movie, um, is there's a segment where there's a, a part with a gun. And yes. I'm wondering, because was there a lot of was there a wrangler on set and all that kind of stuff for something this simple? Or because I mean, how deep did it have to go? It didn't have to go very deep, but we do, you know, it do practice safety, and and our production designer and props guy also has a lot of experience with with. You know, I, I I believe he's worked as you know what they'll call like an armorer on other sets. And so uh, we always felt very prepared and safe. Everyone you know was able to see. You have a pretty standard, um, what like protocol that you try to that, that you try to uh, obey when dealing with gun stuff, so that everyone feels safe. Um, it was, it was, you know, it, 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 it's a very jarring moment in it by design, you oh, know, yes. in the segment. Um, but it was, you know, it, it was done pretty. Most of it, without giving any, any anything away, most of that is done in post. We weren't using blanks. Um, 
So because blanks get really loud and are potentially dangerous. Um, so there were there was enough that, that everyone felt safe and uh, and we knew we could, you know, do it in such a way that through uh, through the magic of cinema that it would all look great in the end. And that's yeah. the beautiful part is like you don't have to worry about gunshot wounds looking bad in CGI anymore. Right. Well, I mean, and we try to do practical. The wounds we did were practical, but for the initial firing of, um, but we didn't need, we didn't need squibs really, um, because we you know don't want to rely so much on CGI, but because this doesn't spoil too much, I don't think because we're also we were also in black and white. Or it as well, like it, it covers some things also. Um, but yeah, it, you know, I, I still am of the of the mind that practical effects, as much as you can use them, are great. Um, but uh, but you know, sometimes there's there's dangers, or sometimes there's budgetary issues. Um, we were able to use practical for enough of the stuff that that really, if there's any CGI in there, it's pretty minimal and just to kind of shade the edges, so to speak. Right, no, I get it. I I do. Now, I have another question here when it comes sure. to the release of the film. I'm glad it's on Shutter. It's at my fingertips whenever I want to watch it. Um, but w- I went to Walmart and I held the DVD in my hands. Correct. And I was about to buy it, and then I looked at the back. And now this is a a a commentary on you or anybody else. <laughs> okay. But I'm a big fan of bonus features. Ah, yes. And this one is, I'll just say it, pretty bare bones. It's We've just, got the commentary uh, yeah. that, that that the four of us did, and that's actually a lot of fun, uh, for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, you know, with some things it, it, it felt right, and then with others, you know, it's, uh, this, I think we, we enjoy the commentary that we, we had on there, but yeah, I you know, that's... That's kind of something with a distributor, but um, we, we put out, we put out what we felt, you know, comfortable putting out in terms of that. But because there weren't really many deleted scenes uh, that made sense to share, you know, or anything like that. Right. Uh, there weren't any, you know, like we, we didn't, didn't have any any uh, outtake reels or anything like that. So, well, that's, yeah. a, that's a sign of a good production right there. That, that's some Robert Rodriguez stuff right there. Yeah, I mean, I will say, and maybe we should talk to Shutter about this because I know they've done it with others. Um, but I, I am, I, I do enjoy our, our filmmaker commentary a bit, and and we've gotten some nice comments about it too. Because we try, it's funny, we have a good time, but it's also, you know, I think pretty informative about uh, independent filmmaking and um, just making things happen um, as best you can. Well, that's but, really my film school is is bonus features, you know, uh, like uh, behind like the sh- have you seen the the bonus features for the Shape of Water? No, it's no, like I, a, it's like a film school. Uh, oh, I bet. Yeah, there there are certainly those. I've got. I think it's the Criterion of uh, of Fincher's The Game. Oh boy, and, uh, his commentary for that is is really uh, pretty. It's just him, and it's just very informative and fun. So I, I love a good commentary for sure. Uh, yeah, we weren't able to to make a, a featurette or anything happen like this for this one, but um, but we but we uh, really enjoyed doing the commentary, and I think people who have listened have a good time with it. Well, my my thing with the the back of the package is, and and uh, this is not you guys, but obviously it's it's whoever printed it or whatever. But it says that the commentary is just with Becca. Oh, that's weird. I didn't see that. Yeah, and I'm like, wait, ju- wait, what? 
Yeah, no, that, that's 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 not accurate. Um, I, I listen yeah. to Becca every week on Shockwaves. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, just a, just a heads up on that, folks. Now you know it's a it's a filmmakers yeah. makers. That's right. It's Becca, Dave, me, and Joe. Yeah. There you go. That's per- see. There you go. That's perfect. <laughs> you, the more people now, how many alcoholic beverages were imbibed during the course of this commentary? Oh, not, not many, not many. Uh, I think I had some. I think I had a. a the, we we don't approach you know anything like some of the crazy commentaries you've heard over time. I, I think I had a little bit of whiskey, but that was it. <laughs> yeah, there's the. I think it's, it's the. Not one of those commentaries. Yeah, yeah, I think it's the Cannibal the Musical commentary. Oh, sure. um, they are all just drunk. One of my favorite. I don't think he's drunk, but if John Borman did one for Zardoz, like twenty or thirty years after the fact, and oh, he's man. literally just kind of going, Ugh. <laughs> he's like, uh, "This scene. Um, what do you want me to say? Uh, we were." Uh, and he's like, he's just obviously has very, very conflicted feelings about that movie now. We were really, really high when we did yeah, I mean, this. I, I'm not sure he, he says it that clearly, but it's definitely implied. <laughs> I mean, any I, I want to know what artificial substances uh, right. Sean Connery was on to, for them to get him to dress the way he does in that movie. Yeah. In that red bandolier or whatever the heck he's wearing thing. Yeah, yeah it's just, it's co- all it is is covering the junk, and that's it. That movie. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. that's a that's a giant uh, procreate and have guns movie. That's all it is. <laughs> that's right. It's just it's, ugh. ugh. I'm thinking about watch Zardoz, everybody. If you've yeah. never if you've never seen it, <laughs> yeah, watch it just because it's okay. Zardoz for me is on par with a Serbian film. Oh be- boy, because you, sh- yeah. you you have to watch it once. Yeah, but after you've watched it, you're like, why did I watch that? Why 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 did I do that? What did um, I do to myself? Uh, yeah, it's it's one of those where it's like, yeah, you you must you must go through the experience. Um, but uh, yeah, Zardoz is it's of its time, but also there's nothing else quite like it, and it's it, it's kind of one of those like who 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 said yes to this? How many people did it take to say yes to this? You know? Yeah, it's like what is wrong with you people? And Borman's a fantastic director. He made so many other great movies, um, but but yeah, that was one where I, who knows, who knows what 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 they were smoking or what they were doing. I don't know. Uh, and I think I wonder if that's the reason why was the the, the last Connery Bond after Zardoz. Could that be the reason why he went back? Um, like he's like I, I've got to get my dignity that's a back. Good question: Did he do? Did he go back for Diamonds Are Forever after Zardoz? I don't think so. I think he was well and done with them by then. Uh, but that would be funny. <laughs> he's like, oh, I gotta, I gotta, I, I'm this might this I might be I might be done soon. I need to I need to get some more cash. Right, exactly. This movie's gonna this movie's gonna ruin my career. I'm gonna have to do a film with Christopher Lambert soon. Right, but then oh boy, yeah. <laughs> but then Borman did, but then he did Deliverance. Like, oh no, Deliverance was before Zardoz. Oh boy, yeah. Oh, I just looked it up. I thought Del- I thought Deliverance was after Zardoz. Oh man, <laughs> yeah. That that says a lot about his mental state after Deliverance. Yeah. Yikes! After yeah. the after the most manly Burt Reynolds performance ever. I'm sure. He, I, actually, that makes sense because he couldn't have gotten Zardoz just made on nothing. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no one's going to give him money if they he hasn't shown that he can 
do other things. Yeah, I made deliverance. I can make this crazy neo-futuristic story based on guns and just sexual violence. <laughs> yeah, it's like the it's like the John Houston uh theory. It's like do one, do one for you and then do one for them. Except right. with John Borman it was do one for them, do one for me and then do one for uh for uh, what was it? Timothy Leary. Do one for Zardoz. <laughs> yeah, do one do one for Zardoz. That's right. Oh, Zardoz. Anyway, <laughs> I do I do love how Zardoz is kind of referenced in Rick and Morty, isn't it? Uh, I hate to admit it. I have never caught up on Rick and Morty, so I am I am not the person to uh, to come to with that, uh, which is slightly embarrassing. I fully acknowledge, but uh, I am I am way 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 behind on my Rick and Morty. If you know what I'm talking about, uh, email me at uh, show <laughs> show at World and uh, I will bring it up next week on the program on the yes, on the Christmas please. edition. We'll talk please about Zardoz. Yes. Yeah. Yes, but um, yeah, that's oh boy. I love how this is just this is just uh, this is like welcome back to Zardoz cast, everybody. Right? Yeah. No, we were. Um, this is just reminds me of when I had uh, Felissa Rose on, and <laughs> the entire like that the good good half hour of it ended up like um, when she was on the last drive-in, and oh, and sure. she was just talking just talking about penis for a, however long. yeah it was the longest conversation about wow. penis i ever had with a woman that didn't involve me not taking my pants off so it. it was it was uh, pretty weird i mean we uh i we were so thrilled we didn't know they were going to do this but they showed our trailer during during his dinners of death during joe bob's dinners of death on, on thanksgiving and uh, that was one of those where I, I caught up with it later, but uh, a bunch of texts like slammed my phone because uh, suddenly it was like, oh, my God, Joe Bob showed your trailer. It was like, wow, that's uh, that's a, a, a career check mark I never knew I needed until well, I got. And that's the thing with Joe Bob is like I know a lot of people are having issues with nostalgia, but that's the one nostalgia thing I'm OK with. Well, and he's not. I'm fine with nostalgia as long as it. um validates its own existence and joe bob's so smart and so educated and really appreciative of 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 the artistry even if it's just completely nuts artistry of the genre that you know even just i I got to see him live at, at chattanooga at the chattanooga film festival last year and I was just kind of so taken aback, you know, because I remembered him as nostalgia. I remember, oh, he's this guy from, you know, Up All Night and all this other stuff. And then just actually sitting down and watching him talk, you're like, oh, this man's brilliant, but also comes at it from this really appreciative, this fan's eye, uh, but still knows more um, than, than almost anybody and, uh, and, and has a really great perspective in his own right. Uh, yeah, it's, so he, nostalgia's fine as long as it's, as long as it's still good, I guess. <laughs> right, know? right, yeah. Nostalgia, nostalgia's sake, uh, can get uh, tiresome. Um, yeah. Yeah, but okay. But, uh, he, he absolutely deserves to be, uh, back in the, back in the limelight or whatever you want to say. This is yeah. very true, very true. Now we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Fear Initiative and how you got started making uh, the the theater stuff and the movie stuff. And I can't talk. I'm I'm okay. So we're going to take a quick break. You listen to the Ron Perti Show on the Pacifica Radio Network.
The following is made possible by Dad. Why was the basketball court all wet? Because the players kept dribbling all over it. <laughs> the dad joke. Corny, groan-worthy, but also one of the simplest ways to share a moment with your kids. Why do you have to be careful when explaining cats and dogs? Because you might step in a poodle. <laughs> and kids that spend more time with their dads grow up to be smarter, more successful. Can I tell you a cat joke? Just kidding. <laughs> and with any luck, funnier adults. Why didn't the skeleton go to the dance? Because he didn't have any body to go with. Dad jokes rule. So take a moment to make a moment and give your kid a laugh. <laughs> it's as easy as going to fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. <laughs> That's really funny. For you, the listeners of The Ron Pertee Show, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I recommend Pedal Your Own Canoe by Nick Offerman, read by Nick Offerman. It's just amazing to hear him uh, read the book and add little things here and there. It's just fantastic. And there's just Amy Poehler's got one, Tina Fey. If you're a fan of comedy, a fan of autobiographies, definitely Definitely some stuff to check out. Uh, so head over to download your free audiobook today. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash Ron Show. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash Ron Show for your free audiobook. You're not wired to have a response to this sound. You're neutral to it. And you can hear it repeatedly without feeling anything. But when we introduce a new stimulus, save the food. We've achieved pulling a natural or inborn response from you. Save the food. Why are we doing this, you may ask? Save the food. Because this ad is trying to change the world's behavior through brainwashing. Because 40% of all food in the U.S. never gets eaten. Save the food. And that costs a family of four $1,500 a year. Save the food. Cha-ching. It's worsening climate change through the release of methane gas. Save the food. Cha-ching. And it's wasting precious natural resources like our fresh water. Save the food. Cha-ching. So when you hear this sound, don't be neutral. Rethink your behavior. Cook it, store it, share it. Just don't waste it. For tips and recipes, visit savethefood.com. Brought to you by NRDC and the Ad Council. All right, everybody, we are back. And, uh... I, I'm I'm welcomed once again by Morgan Peter Brown. Now, yes, Morgan, I, I gotta I gotta ask you. We talked about a little before the break. We talked about how uh, uh, you, you want to. Which one do you want to cover first? You want to cover the Fear Initiative, or you want to get into where you got started? I'm gonna give you the option. Uh, sure. Yeah. No, we can talk about Fear Initiative for a minute. Uh, it's uh, it's quite a passion project. But uh, wh- whenever I find out anyone listens, I'm just so happy. <laughs> it's like well, it's the cast of- that you have on there. I mean, yeah. you, yourself and David uh, McKendry and and uh, Duffy the- and Clark Wolf and Rob Schraub uh, speak of it out from time to time, and um, uh, Josh Forbes. Uh, and Kara Mandel and Jeff Seidman, yeah, are all of our players. Now, yeah. the thing about I love about Rob Schraub is that he's a Milwaukee native. Uh-huh. And, yes, because he is, you know, I, I'm sure, as you know, he's the creator of Scud the Disposable Assassin. 
Indeed. And uh, what did he direct the second Lego movie that's not out yet? No, I don't think he may have. I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't remember that. Um, no, I gotta look it up. I don't think so. He just did the most recent season of uh, of MST3K of Mystery Science Theater 3000. Yeah, no, that's a, no. that's a weird that's not. a weird uh, thing for me to think about. Oh no, he did a short version of it, the 4D short version. He did not do the second the second one, the full feature. Um, I don't know. I never saw that the Lego Movie 4D: A New Adventure. I'm not sure what that is. Oh, but okay, yeah, yeah no, he was he was signed on uh, to do it, but then he left in February of last year. Right, and Rob, I mean, I, I think in case we need to educate people, Fear Initiative is a podcast that we yeah we do. should probably tell people what it is first, know, so we know what the hell we're talking about. Uh, Fear Initiative is a podcast that we do through Blumhouse, uh, the the horror production company that is a horror and Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Uh, we play a game of Dungeons and Dragons that is very kind of tilted towards the horror direction. It's kind of creepy, but we have a lot of fun. Uh, we have a good time. Rob is hilarious. Um, I play one of the more self-serious uh, characters in the group for sure. But uh, it's, yeah, if you haven't listened, we did 15 episode like first season and then we're coming back uh, shortly after the new year with more because uh, we're having such a good time. And, and I think a lot of people are, are really enjoying it, which is awesome. What was the, um, the genesis of the fair initiative? How did it, how did it all get started? I mean, cause I know this is the third Blumhouse podcast, right? Am I right? I think it's fourth. If you count Mick Garris's postmortem as well. Uh, cause it's shockwaves, postmortem, uh, attack of the queer wolf, which came out same time as we did, which is awesome. And uh, and us and Fear Initiative, yeah. Okay. Um, and Fear Initiative came out of a home game. Actually, uh, we we had a we were you know playing Dungeons and Dragons like I do. I'm a giant nerd, um, but it's such a fun, creative, social game. Um, and we were talking about it, and we're like, you know, we knew, you know, we we knew that Blumhouse was looking for podcasts. And we sort of pitched it to them and said, you know, we can do this uh, a as a sort of improvised horror storytelling, which is really what what RPG, what role playing games or 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 Dungeons and Dragons is. Um, you're you're all sort of telling a story together, and so we each play a character, and Dave is the is the DM, is the dungeon master, and and um, it's and so we've we've already gone on you know a pretty creepy thrilling fun adventure um that's uh that's gonna continue and through the new year so yeah we're we're really enjoying it and we did a live show at la comic-con which was a lot of fun and um yeah we've got we've got a lot more in store with that one now my big my big thing here now is if blumhouse is looking for uh, uh podcasts mm -hmm. i'm just saying <laughs> I mean, this is this me is put in a good word. <laughs> uh, sure, why not? I mean, this is only episode one eighty four, I think. And I mean, you've got Mick talking to the big horror names, but you need somebody to talk to the indie guys. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yep. You know, and uh, so just yep, saying, yep. Mick's uh, Mick's ability to uh, pull on the guests is always impressive. Well, I mean, uh, he is Mick Garris. I need to listen to his, he just did one with Henry Thomas from, um, well, I think he's directed him before, but you know, from Haunting of Hill House and E.T. and everything like that. And, 
and I've been meaning to listen to that one because uh, I Mike Flanagan is a, is a friend and you know collaborator from time to time. I, I produced Absentia, his kind of breakout movie, and I was associate producer on Oculus. And I just got done with Hunting of Hill House not that long ago and loved it so much. And uh, and yeah, I, I, I'm really interested to hear what Henry Thomas's experiences were on stuff like that. What's What's funny is that I actually saw a copy of Absentia at the local Fye going for five bucks fye's still around oh yeah right uh and what's funny about that is that it was gone the next time i was there uh my friend was telling me i'm all right with people discovering our dvd places for five dollars that's cool right and he uh apparently my friend was telling me that it's out of print um i don't know about that um maybe i don't i'd have to check on that uh, we're, you can still find us. I think we're on Amazon currently, and you can still rent and buy the the, um, elect, the digital copies on iTunes as well. Now, when uh, it comes to Absentia and stuff like like you, know, you just mentioned, you work with Mike Flanagan a lot. Uh, yeah. He seems to be the go like the the do I, I don't want to use the term uh, horror golden boy, sure. but he kind of is uh, at I this think, point. I think he's um, proven himself and proven the marketability of the way he approaches things uh, as well as anyone has in the last five or six years. And um, yeah, he, I, I think it's, you know, it's some of its timing, some of, you know, haunting of Hill house doesn't happen without, without a company like Netflix who is like really, you know, putting out just, just kind of just giving so many people a chance uh, to, to make their show or to make their movie. Um, and, and Haunting of a Hill House, let's face it, was a risky show, um, but I think it's, it's paid off in, in spades for everybody, uh, and, and what a piece of work. I, it's pretty impressive. Oh, yeah, uh, I, um, I, I didn't look, I don't look at it, um, I don't look at it as too, okay, that's the thing about what the stuff that he does. I love it, okay, like Gerald's Game, Yeah, I can't, it. I can't watch that scene. I, I watched it the first yeah, time. Yeah, it was intense. Mm-mm, can't do it. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think a lot of the stuff, like the the subject matter he chooses, and I don't mean like absentia or, or uh, stuff like that, but a lot of most of it seems to be rather like family based horror and like the horrors of. Yeah, I, I think honestly, I think absentia gets tied in with it because it, it, as it should, I, I think it's yeah, it works out being family related. I, I think a lot of the themes he plays with are you know grief and secrets and um and guilt and you know and and what what happens and how things in our past shape us um and i think absentia is just as you know i think those themes run throughout um all the way through you know through hush through gerald's game through through haunting of hill house for sure i heard someone else uh, compare haunting hill hill house to this is us this is us if it scared the hell out of you and it was like yeah that's pretty much what it is um it's you know it, it i i think i think it's all there um and those are universal horror themes i think uh i you know you see as is off so often happens with with press whenever there's something like whenever there's a horror project that's ser- that's really successful and that people really seem to enjoy there's always articles where it's like well actually this isn't really horror it's more this other thing and it's like yeah that's actually still horror <laughs> uh. and so um and i remember reading a headline it's like 
uh, Haunting of Hill House isn't so much a ghost story as it is a meditation on grief and uh, what we've lost. And I'm oh, like, what do you think? just what do you think? stop. <laughs> it's it's really annoying because you're like, what do you think a ghost story is? Right. Uh, well, that's not a... grief and what we've lost. That's yeah. the thing is, I see Mike and I and I will we'll get back to to I hate that I hate that we went off on a tangent about somebody that's <laughs> not you, but uh, you have worked with him, so I mean, it kind of yeah. yeah. Uh, the thing about him is that I see him as the film version of Stephen King because mm-hmm. Stephen King deals with those topics. Sure. A lot. And and Mike will tell you that Stephen King is is probably his most um, influential figure in terms of creatively. Yeah. No, that's. I mean, I'll be honest. Sure. I'll be honest. That's somebody. That's somebody that I. I would love to pick. Who somebody whose brain I'd love to pick. Uh, yeah. I, I. I think he's gonna. I, barring a natural disaster, in the <laughs> world ending. I think Doctor Sleep is gonna be a masterpiece if he's at the I, helm. I think so, and uh, everything I'm hearing um, is is leading me to, to continue to think in that direction. Yeah, it's um, Gerald's game was was a uh, was a dream project of his for years, and so I was so happy for him when he got the chance to to make it. Because again, again, Netflix uh, it took a company. You know, there was not a giant studio that was going to make that movie, given what it's about, what the reality of it is. And because uh, it's a pretty dark and tricky subject matter. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. Now, you've done uh, this is a nice little segue. You've sure, done what? a lot of producing <laughs> I have. and acting, yes. which is uh, I don't want to say which one's easier, but which one's more fulfilling, I guess. Honestly, um, uh, honestly, I love both. Uh, I know that's a, a cheating answer, but it's it's uh, I think that if I was just one or the other, I would be unsatisfied. Um, I there is I've been an actor longer. I've been professionally acting for over fifteen years now, and um, and I'm I won't ever quit. You know, it's 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 very fulfilling to me creatively and mentally. It's therapy in a lot of ways. It's shaped me into the person that I am in a lot of because it's it's um it's all about empathy. It's all about listening and you know and and seeing other perspectives and how people see the world. And that's, I've found a very beneficial aspect, uh, to living the rest of your life, especially in 2018. Um, you know, and so there are aspects of acting that I, I will never want to lose and, uh, and I enjoy doing it. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm very lucky to have been able to work with some of the people that I've been able to work with. Um, producing is something that I love as well, but for almost entirely different reasons. Um, I think it's, it's, it's satisfying in other ways because it sort of like stretches different muscles mentally. Uh, there's a lot more collaboration in it too, where I'm working with writers, directors, um, post sound editors, you know, like color correctionists, you know, like stuff like that. So it, it, there's a lot of opportunity to um, to have a little more control, but also like be there for just the shaping of a movie because I love that stuff. I love working with composers on the score. I love you know working on color correction. Um, and if I was just acting, I would miss all of that. Now this is something that I mean I'm I'm not uh, I'm not asking for bank statements, but this is something that's allowed <laughs> you to. 
do this without having to go get a second job or like or, or as they say a real job um a real job sure uh you know i i with, without, i made air quotes everybody you can't no, see it yeah. I, but you know i i have to tell people this all the time there's absolutely no shame in a day job um especially you know if if it if it allows you to continue to to pursue your art the way you want to pursue it um the cliche of the actor who is a is a waiting tables is a cliche for a reason you know you need a job that you, you you that's flexible that you can drop a shift tomorrow and and you know because if that audition comes up or something like that that's the other tough thing about film and tv i say this is that um the audition that will change your life uh, you likely will not know about until the day before till 18 hours beforehand um and so everything moves very fast and you need to be flexible but you also need to pay your rent so there's absolutely true in that um that's right jeffrey owens (laughs) i that's right absolutely and i think jeffrey owens very quickly came out and said like there's no shame in what i'm doing like he's like this is the this is the life of the working actor um yeah and 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 to hell with those people who tried to make him feel bad now you're you're sag right Yes, I am. Yeah. Now, been, when it comes to since 2007, actually. Now, when it comes to SAG, this is we're getting into some. This is some some inside baseball stuff <laughs> inside here, kids. Baseball, yeah, for sure. So now, with, when it comes to SAG, don't you have to? Oh, correct me if I'm wrong. I want. I'd love to dispel rumors about this kind of stuff with people sure. who actually know what's going on. Do you have to work a certain amount of time um, to get the the insurance? Like, I'm, I think I remember hearing yes. something about like you have to work every six months at least. No, it's not. It's not that clear. It's it's more uh, the amount of hours or income that you need to have every year to qualify for insurance. Oh, that is so messed up. Yeah, it, it's it's union stuff, you know. Well, and then I always hear like, and then you always hear the little like the the old why old uh, wives tales about how oh I was an extra and I said a line and they kept it so they had I had to get my SAG card and I got made I got started getting paid all this extra money. Is that is that just that happens that, less and less? Um, is that an I, urban legend kind of almost? I mean, it's not urban legend. There are stories of that happening for sure, but it's also like um, a lottery ticket. You know, it's it's not going to happen very often. Um, you know, it's, you know, and there's protocol for that type of thing. Um, it's also like I did background work for my first couple of years in Los Angeles, like most people do. Um, once you go SAG, it's also harder to get background work cause it pays more. Um, but also they, they only have a few SAG background slots, you know, per project. And so they'll normally use it for like very specific looks that they need. Um, so I, I tend to, I, SAG's been very kind to me. They're great. Um, but, uh, I will also say that, um, don't go SAG until you're ready. Uh, someone who just rushes forward and gets their SAG, if, if you rush forward and, and get your SAG card without any credits or, or any, you know, relationships around, it can, it, it's, you know, it's, it, it can work against you if you, if you're not ready for it, if you don't have the, the base of a, of a of a of a career setup. Right, right. Now are you PGA too or no? No, I'm not. Did, is that something that you that ever want to be? Happen in the future. I've only I've only recently become eligible for it. Um I, I, I'm honestly still looking into it. I've barely even thought about it. And for those that don't know what I'm talking about, it's Pro- Producers Guild of America. Like if right. you watch if you uh, watch a Blumhouse picture it'll say Jason Bloom uh PGA because he's part of the Producers Guild of America. 
And um, producer Guild is a little different than SAG or even WGA. It's a little more of like a. I, I don't even actually know. I I I don't even feel comfortable like talking that much about it because I haven't done as much research. I'm I'm an indie guy, so right, <laughs> so, right. There, there's a lot of it that, that that's sort of weighing the options of of how useful is it to me right now. I don't know. But I think with would you say that as a um, uh, how do I put this? Would you say being an indie guy and being in say the WGA that's helpful? Depends. It I, depends. It, it you know it, it depends on uh, what kind of work you want to do. Um, and, and it depends on like what the opportunities are in front of you. Um, I, I, yeah, you know, I don't want to go into too many details about that. It, it's, but I, I will just say, like, like I said with SAG, um, uh, join when you're ready. Don't rush to do it just cause you think that'll be the next step. I, I would say join when, when it's, when, you know, there is literally something in your face saying you should join to do in order to do this. Uh, right, like, right. like an actual opportunity, not an idea of an opportunity because it's expensive and it's expensive. It's expensive to join. It will eventually uh, pay off. You know, I have I have years of pension now because of it, uh, because of SAG. But um, but yeah, you know, just coming coming to town and just throwing money at SAG to join is is not I wouldn't advise that. There you go, kids. You're learning. You're learning from one of the best here. <laughs> I mean, he brought food to Adam Scott and Chris Pratt. <laughs> Is that my only thing? The only other thing you've seen? Don't get me wrong, I love it. Oh no, I've seen Absentia, <laughs> and I've obviously I've seen all the creatures were stirring, sir. <laughs> yes, it's true. You're right. Yes. <laughs> and I love Parks and Rec as much as the next person. Yeah, that that would that's just very very prominent. Like you're you're you really stand out in that it scene. Is funny because I've done a lot of TV at this point, but. How I Met Your Mother, Parks and Rec, Castle, and see, I, didn't, I didn't see you on Castle because I think I I think I remember you from How I Met Your Mother, but I didn't see you on Castle because I've never seen an episode of Castle. Got it. Yeah, it, yeah. it's it's I, I think it's in syndication so many places that I, that I hear about it more often. How I Met Your Mother, I swear my episode plays like like twice a day because that place is syndicating so many different or that that show is syndicating so many places. Um, uh, new girl is another one that people I hear about a lot years after the fact, uh, that people are like, you were on new girl. I was like, yes, I was <laughs> They're like, I just saw it. Uh, people, people binging, uh, comedies on Netflix or something, uh, well after the fact. Now, do you yeah. prefer doing more dramatic stuff or, or, or comedies? I honestly, I love both. Um, I, I'm someone who it, you know, not to sound too actorly, but it's all human behavior to me. Um, it's so it's, I, I think, um, I, I'm someone who likes a little drama in my comedy and comedy in my drama. Um, Hey, so, now don't, don't say that the Reese's people are going to sue us. <laughs> right. Um, but it's, uh, it's a lot of fun, you know, and, and the opportunities in television are, you know, there's a lot of comedies. And so I, I'm, I'm lucky. It seems to, you know, be something that, uh, that I can do with, with a certain amount of skill. And so I, I get cast uh, and you know, I did uh, modern family earlier this year. I, one that's in the can, but hasn't shown yet is uh, the kids are all right on ABC. That's a new show uh, set in the seventies. That was a lot of fun. That'll, I think sh that'll air shortly after the new year. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I do a bit of everything. Um, but um, 
I, you know, I, it's, it's all a different kind of different style of play. Like I said, you go to your TiVo and you type in Morgan Peter Brown. It's going to explode. You've got your own. You're like the you're like the Marvel Universe. Oh man, the wow, M- that's, the MPB the MPB universe. <laughs> Thank you. I think and no, that's, it's it's totally a compliment because the more people see your face, the more people will recognize you, and the more sure. that casting agent will be like, you know, yeah. I loved you in such and such, and uh, yeah. I, I've seen your episode of How I Met Your Mother four thousand times because <laughs> oh, CBS has a weird syndication deal with all these other channels. <laughs> they really do. Oh, CBS. Yep. Oh, yep. It is. It is weird. I have. I. I. It, it, to. To think about sometimes how often I show up randomly on people's televisions. Uh, that's a. It's a weird thing to think about sometimes, but it's true. <laughs> well, and what's funny is is um, I was looking when I was uh, getting back to absentia. I was looking at at, at the Fye. Remember that thing? Fye yes. still exists. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For your entertainment, I believe it stands for. I. It, or, well, I wish I could come up with an acronym about them still being in business. <laughs> that in, I could use Fye, but I can't. Somehow still around. Yes, that. S S A. That's what they should be called. Um, but no, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm looking at. I'm like, I'm looking at absentia. I'm like, I think, yeah. And I flip it over. I'm like, yeah, I know this guy. And I'm, yep. and I'm pointing at your name. And I know this guy. And my friends are like, so. <laughs> you know, it's 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 uh it's getting harder and harder for me to name drop. So uh, come on, people, fun. take take my name dropping. <laughs> That's Con- okay. I'll, concern I'll it. That. I'll 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 try to make it more worthwhile for you in the future. Oh jeez. Yeah. I, I, well, still, I mean, they didn't. They don't watch TV com. My friends don't watch TV comedies, so they had no idea. Sure. You know, there. It's that's uh. It's it's I weird. Tried- I try to bridge enough. I try to bridge enough genres that uh, that that I, I'm known the world over. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> There's a shrine to you in India somewhere. Right. Yeah, it's like uh, you know, oh, MPB, MPB. It's like a cult. There's gonna there's a there's a cult forming, and it's just your face, like Zardoz. One can only hope. Oh boy. Let's yeah. That actually. <laughs> <laughs> Like your your face, like the cover of uh, of uh, of True Stories by David Byrne, but it's like right. instead of John Goodman, it's yours upside down. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, that's uh, we're just dropping all sorts of obscure references to people. I know, we're g- cutting deep today. We are cutting very. I, we're looking at we're seeing tendon, possibly some bone. <laughs> we are getting very deep. That's right. But uh, but a True Stories just came out on Criterion, I think, too. I love David Byrne. Yeah. So that's uh, I, I I'm at that point in my life where it's like, do I collect Criterion because it's Criterion, or do I collect the movies I actually want to see? Because I don't want to get super depressed watching In the Mood for Love by Wong Kar Wai because that movie right. is the one of the most depressing things I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, there's uh, there's a few on the Criterion collection. There, I mean they they they've rounded it out pretty well, but there's a few that are like the saddest movie you've ever seen or heard of. Yeah, and yeah. the Co- and it's like the Coens and Wes Anderson are just like uh, you got a new movie out. All right, Criterion it up. Right. Yeah, for sure. But uh, but it's a uh, oh boy. So uh, with the last few minutes we have got left here, why don't you tell everybody uh, what you got coming up immediately? Sure. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, all the creatures we're stirring is, is as Ron said, is uh, available on Shutter now, but we're also available digitally on iTunes, Vudu, Amazon, and most like streaming VOD platforms. The DVD is out in Redbox and available, and uh, you can buy it on Amazon. You can buy it at Walmart. 
Um, the Blu-ray is coming January 8th, which I'm very excited about. I'm a Blu-ray guy for sure. And um, Fear Initiative, there, there are 15 episodes that you can listen to right now, you know, on, on uh, either Apple, I, or Apple Podcasts or, or any other uh, podcast apps. And um, as I said, I did, I did The Kids Are All Right for ABC with like Michael Cudlitz and Mary McCormick. They were a lot of fun. That episode will be airing, I think, in late January. Um, those are all the things at the moment. Uh, next, Joe and I are working on, you know, getting our next production off the ground, and hopefully, I'll have more news about that soon. Um, but yeah, you can find me on the Twitter, on the Instagram, or on the Facebook. I'm around. Yeah. So yeah. And what are, what's your handle? Is it all? It's all Morgan Peter Brown. There, there. Uh, my full name is one character too long so i am at, at morgan pete brown so just no r in the middle yep you you twitter <laughs> i'm shaking my fist you can do what are you gonna do yep oh man that's just that's, <laughs> but no uh you are i you are officially a two-timer on the show which, oh, well, mean, right. which means you get the no prize do uh, i get a jacket like like the five timer club on uh on snl i'm sorry i'm sorry you don't but uh you do have carte blanche to come back whenever you have something that you want to talk about um, Appreciate that. i i don't give that to many people <laughs> i don't give you. that to many people but uh that's the show this week folks don't forget to head over to ron.world for all the information uh show at ron.world for any emails you want to send we will see you next week to celebrate christmas folks christmas we'll see you next week folks